but we're on like week eight or something like that, and I don't really know where we're going to go after this, but it's probably going to be in the new creation life. And if you're not here, you're going to be really missing something incredibly wonderful because the Holy Spirit is good and he is destined you. He is destined you to walk above a plane that you're, that you're walking currently. He is destined you to walk in the fullness of Christ. So we're going to go straight to Acts 13. Verse 26. Brothers. Okay, he's talking to believers. Children of Abraham and you God-fearing and Gentiles. It is, uh, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Is anybody back there? Hallelujah. Okay, never mind. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, but we do. Praise God. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But, hallelujah, our victory in Jesus, but... God raised him from the dead, and for many days, hallelujah, God raised him from the dead on your behalf for you. Hallelujah is right. We can't praise him enough. He raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. For 40 days, actually. They are now his witnesses to our people. And that's who you are. You are a disciple in Christ if you are a believer and you are a witness and you are intended to be a witness and it's time to get in the word and do it the word's way. With no excuses. Y'all can read the word. Y'all know what the word says. And it's time that we be shining examples of what his word has told us and what his word has written by the empowering of the Holy Spirit in us. Because when you are born again, you are recreated in the very image of God in your spirit, God living in you, the love image of God living in you, his spirit, his very spirit. You are a reborn, regenerated, recreated individual. The old is gone, the new has come. Where was I? They are not his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. He defeated every demonic force on your behalf. Every demon spirit, every difficulty, anything in your life that is not consistent with the word, he has given you a way out, he has conquered for you, and he has handed you the victory on a silver platter. So just get in line. You know, because he only tells you to do things out of a heart of love, 
because he wants to see his goodness in your life. And he knows that any other way of doing anything will bring you pain. And it will bring pain to those around you. And he is not a pain-giving God. (laughs) No siree. The Aramaic Plain English Bible there, it says, you are my son and today I have begotten you. See, he is the first born-again individual. The Young's Literal says, my son, thou art, and I today have brought thee forth. I love that. I love that translation. It's different up there. (coughs) It says begotten thee, but I really, I don't know why it's different up there, but it says, I have brought thee forth. You know he's brought you forth? He has brought you forth out of the darkness. We can't praise him enough for that. Verse 34, the fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words, I will give you, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And because of his resurrection and the fact that he went and poured out his blood on the mercy seat, they have been given. It's not something we're looking ahead to. It's something that you possess right now. It is stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. His body never saw decay. That would be in Joseph's tomb. That's the one, you know, an area where we're different. I'm not planning on dying. I'm just going to be translated. So I'm not going to confess death and decay over any of you. You just got to get your sights up a little bit higher. That's all, as far as I'm concerned. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything, from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. You see, he fulfilled the law. He brought the new command of love. I'm not talking about erotic love. We're talking about the God love, unconditional love. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. But we believe. But we believe. We believe, and that's not for us, you see? We have a resurrected king. We have a resurrected priest. We have a resurrected savior who fights on, uh, wrong word, We shouldn't even talk that way. He's already fought. He already won. We got to be careful about how we speak about our our Jesus. He already accomplished. It's a matter of are you going to receive it? And he's living in us. He's living in us to do the same and greater works than Jesus did. Hallelujah. By the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.18 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Everything, everything, everything. That means every darkness, everything that comes into your life that is against the word to antagonize you, to cause you adversity. Jesus Christ, by his blood poured out on the mercy seat, is in supremacy to it all. Young people over there, don't think there's anything you're going through that Jesus and you can't handle together. And I really don't even care how much your peers tell you you're wrong, how much they fight against you. You get in the word, and you get your mouth in line with the word and your heart, and you will not be conquered. Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness. You guys think about what that is. All his fullness. All the fullness of God. Can y'all just stop, please, and imagine it? Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Now you just think about all the fullness of God. Is there any lack there? Is there any pain there? Any darkness? No. Because he doesn't exist where dark. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of your God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself, that's God, all things. All things. That's you, that's everything that you go through when you turn it over to him, when you believe on Jesus, when you accept the work that he has done for you. All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. See, this isn't just talking about when you go to heaven. This is power here and now. It's authority here and now. (laughs) I just thought of something funny. It's your inability to make excuses here and now. (laughs) Isn't that true? It's true. Because it says in all things. Hallelujah. (laughs) Nothing missing, nothing broken. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus came to make peace between you and God. No more alien, no more stranger. Peace, communion, unity between you and your Father. Jesus was crucified as the spotless lamb of God, never sinned, but took on every sin on your behalf. Raised as the firstborn, again being firstborn from among the dead, our great high priest, having supremacy in all things. We just read that. 
He's the great high priest of a new creation. Individuals that were once slaves to sin and Satan are free. Hallelujah. That's good news, saints. No longer dominated by a sin nature. You know, you once, whether you want to, you know, whether you appreciate this, whether you want to believe this or not, at one point you had a sin nature. As much as we don't like to talk about that. And then the, the second, the millisecond, you're born again, your nature has been changed. Now you've got to grow up into what God's given you by studying the word and knowing your inheritance and knowing what he has for you. And then you become spiritual giants. Hallelujah. We become spiritual giants, recreated in God's image, in our spirits, destined to walk in the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Verse 19 said, All of God's fullness dwells in Christ. And if Christ dwells in you, what does that say? Make the inference. Right? And we just walk it out in the word. Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I am the living one. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You were once dead and now you are alive. And the same spirit that dwells in Christ dwells in me. Revelation 1.18, I am the living one. I was dead and behold I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades and let me tell you saints, nobody is taking it from him. Nobody's taking it from him. And if you're walking in him, nobody's taking what he purchased for you away from you. The only person that can allow that to happen is you when you choose to walk out from under what he has told you to do and out not according to the word. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but you have a choice to walk away from it. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. That's so cute. Yes. So Jesus pours out the blood of love. His blood, his blood is the blood of love. So we're going to step back in time for a minute and we're going to take a look at the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to look at what was in that Ark, and we're going to, I know we've gone over a lot of the priestly things, but we're just going to, you know, briefly go through it. Very, 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 very briefly. I promise. I promise. <laughs> so, what was in the Ark? What was in the Ark of the Covenant? In the Ark of the Covenant, okay. In the Ark of the Covenant is what the high priest, in the Holy of Holies, in the most holy place, he would sprinkle that with blood, you know, once a year. Had to do it every year. It was not a remission of sin. It was a covering over. It was a covering over. It was not a redemption. It did not redeem. It was a covering. And, blood, and, and God would look at the blood over the ark, and people would become acceptable to him, okay? He would see through the blood of goats and lambs, okay? So in the ark was a gold, golden jar of manna. There was Aaron's budded rod, and there were the two tablets of the new covenant. Okay? That's what was in there. And so, hallelujah, we have a new covenant. What was, what, what did, let's, let's first talk about what did all these represent? Every single one of these represented some form of rebellion. Okay? The pot of manna, think about that. I mean, he had provided for them for, you know, they didn't have anything, but they weren't happy with it. They weren't thankful. Right? 
So they were rebelling against his provision. They were not accepting his, his way of doing things, were they? They were thankless. It was a thankless gen- generation. They didn't like his way. Aaron's rod, rejection of his leadership. Right? Right? What did it say Jesus was? The rod out of the stem of Jesse. Right? Okay, so that, they were rejecting his headship. They just like kept grumbling. They were rejecting his sovereignty. What were the stone tablets? They were rejecting his way, his word, his law. Right? Okay. So the priest would go in, he'd sprinkle the blood over the ark, and God would look at that, and when it would be, their sins would be covered over, and he would accept that, accept them. But hallelujah. 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 <laughs> we have a Jesus who went to the mercy seat. He poured out his blood, and now God sees us through that, through the blood of Jesus. And it is not a covering, saints. It is a cleansing. Beloved, it is a cleansing. For once for all eternity, for all humankind, for all those who choose to believe. Oh, well, that's a misstatement right there. It's for everyone. Right? He did it for everyone. So we have a better covenant sealed in the blood of a spotless lamb who chose to sacrifice everything for you. Do you think for a minute you can sacrifice some of your worldly pleasures that might not line up with the word? I didn't get an answer. That was a serious question. Oh well. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 22 through 26. Oh, let me tell you something else. See, the Ark of the Covenant, because I didn't really quite explain the whole thing. There were cherubim on either side, right, with the wings around and the eyes facing. Well, those represented the eyes of God, right? They represented the eyes of God looking through the blood, at the blood. And that's why we now have a high priest. He looks at the blood. Okay. Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies, copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. We have the better sacrifice. We have Jesus. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now to appear for us in God's presence. He entered heaven to appear for you in God's presence. The veil was torn. He went up. The blood poured out so that you can stand under an open heaven, saints, 
There is no brass heaven. No, 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 not for the believer. It is not a brass heaven. He did what he did so that you could come confidently and boldly into the presence of God. Take your place. Quit being a bunch of whiny babies and take your place. Walk it out. Because of him, you think about it. Because of him, you have access into the presence of God. Every moment of every day. God is not shutting you out. He has invited you in eternally. In this life. I'm not talking about when you go to heaven. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that's not his own. What kind of a sacrifice is that? You know, you're sacrificing something somebody else brings. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now, but now, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a better covenant secured by the blood of a holy, spotless lamb, now our high priest and redeemer. Your high priest and redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. So what do we have? What, what do we have without the blood? No remission of sin, no redemption, no forgiveness, no union with God. Woo, sounds terrible. No acceptance, no access to Father, our Father. What a horrible life. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> can't imagine. Well, we all can imagine, can't we? Think about if you're a believer now, think about what it was like before you were a believer. But with the blood, with the blood, our victory is secure. Hallelujah. Our victory is secure. Complete remission. I'm going to go through a whole bunch of stuff that we receive because of the blood. It belongs to you now, not something you're looking forward to. Complete remission of sin. We already read that. Acts 13, 38, through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed now, here, in the here and now, is proclaimed to you. Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Cleansing from all unrighteousness, made right with the Father. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21 or something like that. I think we are the righteousness of God in Christ, correct? Justified before God, just as if I had never sinned. Justified before God, just as if I had never sinned. Acts 13.39, we read, 
everyone who believes is justified from what you could not be justified from under the law. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But also for us, that's those who believe in Christ, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, that's God, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Hallelujah. Do you, are, are you getting a glimpse of what belongs to you? We can stand, we can stand without condemnation in the very presence of God. Stand up if you believe in the name of Jesus, right? Somebody give him praise. Okay, Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You are not living in, a, in, the, in the age of God's wrath. As much as some people would like to talk to you about that, you are not, as a believer, you are in the church age. It is a dispensation of his love and his mercy and his grace, and that is where you are. It's where you're situated. It's where you're seated. It's where you're standing. This is not a dispensation of wrath. There will be a dispensation of wrath. And the wrath of Satan after the rapture. And you're not going to want to be there. Y'all should go read Romans 4 and 5, by the way. Everybody should do that. So what else did the blood? What else did the blood give, give us? It made us heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. Romans eight seventeen. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's you. That's a definition of who you are. That is your identity. You know what the word co there means in the Latin? In the Latin that means together, it means with, it means mutual, it means in common. The same, with, together, mutual. You are a co-heir with Christ heirs to every spiritual blessing to which he is an heir. Ephesians 1.3, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's in your Bible. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can we get the bigness of that in our spirits? Can you soak that in? Every spiritual blessing of Christ, it belongs to you. 
And he needs you to walk in it. He needs you to believe in Christ so that the manifestation of that comes forth so that we glorify him and are his witnesses here on the earth of his love and his might and his power. Total restoration. What do we have by the blood? We have complete access. Complete, unhindered, unhindered access to our Father. Union with our Father, peace with him. We already read that in Colossians 1.19. It said making peace through his blood. That's what he did for us. He made peace through his blood between us and the Father. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that is right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Through whom we have gained access, that's an open door, that's an open heaven, by faith, that's faith in Christ, into his grace in which we now stand. You stand now in the grace of God. Is grace an excuse to sin? No. But it is your redemption through him. He's bigger than your mistake. When you bring it back, you repent. Into his grace in which we now stand. Now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. No more animosity between us and the Father. No more wrath, no more division, no more separation, no more secrecy, no more disconnect. Hallelujah. Total restoration. Ephesians 3.12, in him, through faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Your God wants you to approach him. Your Father wants you to approach him with freedom and confidence. What else does the blood do? It has made us perfected in Christ. Hebrews 10, 9 through 14. Then he said, this is Jesus talking, here I am, I have come to do your will. It is always our heart's desire to do the will of the Father. That's what Jesus said he came to do. And the Father said he was pleased in his Son. Remember, we went through all that, right? He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, that's the will of God, we have been made holy. Wow, that was quite the response to some amazing gift that y'all already got. What's it saying? You have been made holy. You have been made holy. Through the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once 
for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, this priest, Jesus, had offered all for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of, the God, of God, verse 14, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are, be, who are being made holy. That's you. By one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's you. How big is that, beloved? How big is that, beloved? And when we apply the word, okay, you think about this. Think about this. What is the word? Jesus, thank you. The word is Jesus. When you apply the word, and I'm not talking about reading and being hearers only. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about taking the word seriously, and if it says do it, you do it. If it says don't do it, you don't do it. And I don't really care what you think about it. And neither should you. Because you want the sure and true blessings of God in your life, right? So, if you apply the word which never returns void and always accomplishes exactly what it was sent forth to do, what are you applying in your life? The blood, Jesus, because the word is Jesus, the living and true word, Jesus. So when you are applying the word, you are applying the blood to your situation. So if you want it to turn out right, apply the word. That's your blood covering. You walk out from under the word, you walk out from under the blood covering, that's all there is to it. Right? Oh, I'm not being too hard on you today, am I? I'm speaking the truth. We got a lot of people who aren't going to speak the truth to you. And they're going to tell you everything's okay. And it's not. And thank God we have a redeemer who the second you come back, it's forgiven. But it has to have a blood covering. This for my good. Because the Lord knows I make enough mistakes. And I know you do too. So we're learning how to fix it today. We're learning about everything that's been done so that grace could cover it. So that love could cover it. We're understanding what he did so that we can understand his love, right? Because when we understand his love, what happens? What happens in us when we understand his love for us? We stop walking in condemnation of ourselves and we receive the gift. You know, Satan wants you to walk in condemnation of yourself, doesn't he? Because you will not be an effective witness for him if you're constantly condemning yourself. Nobody, nobody you know, can receive that. 
but they can receive his love that you have accepted in your own hearts and spirits through you and poured out on them, can't they? That's why you cannot walk in self-condemnation. You can't even walk in unforgiveness of yourself. Just get it under the blood and, and, and let Jesus fix it with you. You know? Filled to his fullness. Filled to his fullness. That's the other thing the blood has done. His, his love image, his love image deposited in our very spirit. Ephesians three sixteen through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a mouthful. Thank you, Lord. He fills you with power, his power, by infilling you by his Holy Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, again, that's the God love, may have power, power. His love through you brings power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Did you hear that? His love, his word, surpasses knowledge, just, you know, like carnal thinking. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is not me saying that. That is the scripture. That is the word. That is your destiny. That is who you are destined to be. That is how you are destined to walk, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is not a too, too strong gospel. It is a wake-up call for you to walk in what has been given. Now you want to know something Jesus or the Lord told me when I was writing this? Or when I was like kind of putting my notes together? I'm going to read it to you. You know, I'm not always used to reading, but I want to get it right. And it says here, this is what he dropped in my heart when I was thinking about all this. He said, as soon as Jesus poured out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, his love joined forces with the Holy Spirit in believers' hearts, giving birth to the new creation life and the new ability to walk in the very love of God. Did you get it? Do you want me to read it again? Okay, I will. As soon as Jesus poured out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, his love joined forces with the Holy Spirit in believers' hearts, giving birth to the new creation life, the new ability to walk in the very love of God. 
That's what he told me. And I'm telling it to you. His love never fails. We are walking Jesus, men and women, right here on this earth. You know, through the Pauline epistles, we, we can see what that new creation life is. You want me to go through all the Pauline epistles right here today? Should we do that? Should we stay all day? <laughs> it would take us months. <laughs> but anyway, for 40 days, he walked here, right, with his disciples, right? He's walking with you here today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did he tell them before he went away? What did Jesus say? He said, wait in the upper room, didn't he? He said, wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. You know, they had no concept of what that was. They couldn't have. They had no understanding of what was going to happen. None whatsoever. They didn't even understand Jesus when he was here. Right? Acts 1, 8 and 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, you are the new holy of holies. There is not a physical that was gone, that was done away with, right? We studied all of that. You are the new indwelt, holy of holies. The Holy Spirit in you gives you power, authority, fearlessness to walk in all the fullness of God right here. Can I get a witness? Thank you. So, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, doesn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Changed everything for us. That's what gave us the ability to walk in new creation life. New creation life. So he pours out his blood on the mercy seat. What does he become then? He becomes our high priest, right? Seated at the right hand of the Father, and we with him, right? (laughs) He became the high priest, and he sat down, and he took his place of rest, and so do we when we're in him. We take our place of rest in what has been finished on our behalf. That's why we're studying, and we're going to continue to study who we are. That's why we've studied what he's given us for these past months. We're going to take hold of the spiritual giant dwelling on the inside of us. He took his place of rest, and I'm taking mine with with him. The work is done. He became a mediator of a new covenant, the only savior of the world. He's given us complete access to the throne of grace, the holy of holies, communion, perfect communion with God the Father. And now he forever lives to make intercession for each one of us. 
He's making intercession for you. That should make you feel so incredibly protected, taken care of. Now all you have to do is incline your ear to him because he's always talking to you. There's never a moment when he is not counseling you with a loving eye upon you. 1 John 2, 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He prays for you, he cares for you, he made redemption a possibility for you, he made it possible for you to receive eternal life, he made, you po- he made it possible for you to walk in victory here on this earth. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, Romans eight thirty seven. greater is he who is in us than he is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. He became the surety of a better covenant. Hebrews 7, 22 through 28. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee. Guarantee. Not maybe. Guarantee. Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but not our Jesus, not our Jesus. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Forever on your side. Therefore, he is able to save completely completely, nothing left out, no sin too big, no mistake too dreadful, no distance too far. Those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. The work is done on your behalf. For the law appoints a high, high priest as high priest men who are weak. But the oath, the promise of God, the new covenant, the promises, which came after the law, appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. The new covenant, the better promise, perfect forever on our behalf. Do you think there is anything that Satan can come against with which Satan can come against you that can defy the perfection of, God's li- of God in your life? I don't think so. So after studying all this, hang on with me, saints. I know we're going to go long, but your God is worth it. <laughs> 
He said, Lisa Marie, I want you to go to Psalm 23. You know why? You know why you wanted me to go to Psalm 23? Okay, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because he said it is a prophetic vision of the new creation life. It is a prophetic vision of the new creation life. Guaranteed. We just read about that Christ was the guarantee. Guaranteed for you in the here and now. So Psalm 23 becomes our new creation life made a living reality. It, may, it is a living reality for every believer in Christ. It is a very succinct picture. A succinct picture of everything that the Pauline Revelation gives us. It is the perfect picture, the perfect picture of the earth walk of the believer in Christ. So we should study it and study it and study it and study it. I'm going to like go through it real quickly, very succinctly, so we can just get a general outline. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I will lack nothing. God is my caregiver. He's my provider. He meets all my needs according to his riches, the riches of his glory in Christ. That's Philippians 4.19. Psalm 103 says he satisfies my every desire with good things. Okay, I lack nothing. Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I have the affluence of God in my life. I have the good pleasure of God in my life. He knows my every need. I dwell. I dwell in plenty. I dwell in splendor. I dwell in pleasantness. This is God talking to you. Okay? He leadeth me beside the still waters. Still waters of peace and serenity are my companions. They are my companions. There I dwell. He restoreth my soul. If anything threatens me with fear or harm or confusion, anything of disconnect between me and my Father, he's my restorer. He's my restorer. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. He brings me rest and quietness, comfort and strength. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We've talked about that. He has given me the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He leads me. He counsels me. He guides me into my God-given path, into God-given decisions. He guides me with the Holy Spirit into new creation life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Even though I walk in a world of adversity, even though I walk in the realm of the spiritually dead, even though many spirits are led by the adversary that may encompass round about me and contend against me, I have a father who is my protector. I have a brother, Jesus, who is my champion. I have no fear. He's bigger than anything I fear. 
I think it's First Timothy like two seventeen or something. I do not have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Matthew twenty eight twenty, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see that? Thou art with me. Matthew twenty eight twenty, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, what are those? Discipline. Discipline. Instruction. Protection. Right? They are my comfort. I am surrounded in the loving care of my God. He protects me, he provides for me, he guides me. He counsels me with his loving eye ever upon me. Psalm 138.8 Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I have a place of plenty in every aspect of my life. I am always welcome to dine at the table, a place of joy and rest and compassion. Yeah, compassion. Companionship. Unity with the Father. What is the table? You come to dine there with your friends. I have a place where my enemies have already been defeated, and all they can do, it says, that I dine in the presence of my enemies. I am sitting at the table of God, plenty. My enemies out there, and all they can do is look on. Can't do a thing about anything. No harm can come nigh my tent. You see that? You are dining in the, pres- in, uh, in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of God, with your Father, communion, companionship with your Father, and they can sit there and they can think or do whatever they want to try to do, and it can't come near you. All they can do is just look on. Hmm. I rest at my Father's table. I have complete access to his unlimited blessing, his table of unlimited blessing. Thou anointest my head with oil. Saints, we are the priesthood. Right? You are the priesthood now. With Christ as your head. You are the priesthood with Christ as your head. The same spirit that dwells in Christ dwells in you. You are the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, above only and not beneath, Deuteronomy 28. The Holy Spirit indwells you, giving you divine revelation, divine instruction, divine wisdom, divine knowledge, to do the perfect will of God in every situation. God perfects that's what, that which concerns me. My cup runneth over God's divine fullness overflows in my life. Ephesians 3.19, God's fullness in me through Christ. We read that earlier. I fear nothing. 1 Peter 1.8, I go forth in unspeakable joy, full of glory. Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You go forth with joy unspeakable, full of glory. As the scripture says, overflowing, 
provision and satisfaction in my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness and mercy, his glory wrap around me. They just surround me, encompass me like a blanket. His goodness and mercy ever for me, ever for you. Everywhere I go, his abounding grace goes before me and around me. And because of that, I'm a grace giver. And I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I dwell in God's very presence, in his house, at his table. He surrounds me with his love and his glory and his goodness. In this world, saints, in this world, you dwell in the house of the Lord. Walking arm in arm with him, dwelling basically in the Garden of Eden restored, undivided, ever-present, fellowship, and communion with a loving Father. Hallelujah. I sit down and I rest in the presence and the authority of God. Okay. That's what the Lord had me share with you all today. So we're going to take communion. We have open communion. If there's anyone in this room who has not received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I want you to come on up here and I'm going to pray with you.